0: Everything eventually comes down to a choice. In such a big world, so many choices. Here, in this little lost place, things are simpler. You'll find it, because you are meant to. And inside, you'll find my lift, and me. I'll take you where you need to go, and then you choose. Once you do, things will get much better. Or much (laughs) worse. Find the lift at victoriaslift.com and also in iTunes at itunes.victoriaslift.com
1: Hey everyone, if you didn't know it already, there is actually another place where you can find this show and several other awesome shows. That's over at society-13.com. Society 13 is a podcast network, includes podcasts that are story podcasts like The Lift and The Wicked Library. Uh, You have talk show podcasts like Dangling After Dark with Dick Dangle, paranormal podcasts like History Goes Bump. If we don't have exactly 13 podcasts on that network, there's damn close to it. So I'm not going to list all the shows. Go over to society-13.com, find a new favorite, keep listening to The Ninth Story, of course, And please check out the Wicked Library and check out The Lift. If you're a fan of this show, you have to check out The Lift because Victoria's on it. It's her show, man. We've also added a blog roll over at society-13.com. So if you don't feel like listening to one of us drone on or tell you a story, you can also just read a fantastic blog post or a story. So head on over and check it out. I know you'll find something you love over there.
0: Before you listen to this podcast, be aware this show often uses very naughty language. If you don't like that, you shouldn't listen. Send your complaints to I'm a whiny baby with no sense of humor at nightstory.com. Or stop by the studio. I'll take you for a ride to a story of my choosing.
1: we got a little break coming up. It's going to be fantastic. I'm going to write. I'm going to Mm -hmm. get published. I'm going to put out an anthology. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes. Collection? Oh,
2: wait. That sounds like someone that we're talking to. (laughs)
1: Well, he put out a collection, which which is the correct term because it's all his stories.
2: Oh, so if it's an anthology, it's
3: multiple folks? Apparently, anthology can mean collection too but the general consensus is an anthology is a collection of different stories from different authors dealing with one theme or multiple themes oh there you go and a collection is just what it says it's a collection of work from from one author like skeleton crew and night shift and
1: everything here is a
3: nightmare and that one too
2: which i freaking loved Thank you. I wrote about
3: that. Yes, you did it very well. It is Uh, my favorite review. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
2: Such a good book. Thank you. I absolutely loved it.
1: Her review was much better than mine. It really was.
2: (laughs) What was yours?
1: Uh, Buy this book. It's awesome.
3: Book, read, <laughs> read book, book sound good.
1: Yeah. Books no, it was is, a little is, more book good. Happy. <laughs>
3: you could hear the knuckles scraping. No, it was a, it was a very nice <laughs> review. I And I, hey, I appreciate any review, even if it's, if it's like, well, this was all right. You know, with the, you could hear the <laughs> I was talking about it.
1: I reviewed another, right. I reviewed another book and just put it under his.
2: <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> it's
1: like when Sally and Josh went down to the candy factory It was my favorite part of the book.
2: It was a really touching moment.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
3: And then the factory ate them.
1: (laughs) Yes, because it's that kind of book. (laughs) I'm stealing from John Towers today because this is is the cold open. This is just us talking before the music and before (laughs) the awesomeness. Ah. Yeah. Like whenever he stealth records you.
3: Well, at this point, that's just what John does. Like, I walk, I walk into the basement for "Clan of the Cave Horse," and I already know it's recording.
1: Well, but like the first few times, you didn't, right? You're just like. Oh, I don't. Even, I didn't remember that we said that on air.
3: There was there was one of the early. There was one of the early episodes. That we were just like throwing some serious shade to an unnamed individual for like twenty minutes, and then John's like, "I have to stop recording. We can't play this on the air." I'm like, "You're recording that?" He's like, "He's like, yeah." It's like we're not. We can't do it. I'm like, "Oh, okay."
1: It's like the Richard
3: Nixon of podcasting. <laughs>
0: The reality of story shapes thoughts. Once upon a time, once upon a time, come along as we examine the many things that combine to create the magic that is story. Next up the night story.
1: So, you know, we've tried this a couple times, Jeanette, and it's, and I, and I have some stuff in, in the can that I'm, I'm planning yeah. on putting out there, but I figured since Nelson's here today.
2: Yay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Night Story Podcast, episode number 401. So I thought maybe I what we'd one talk one, about one. today was, we'll, t- oh, we'll talk about your book, obviously. Okay. Also want to uh, talk a little bit about Demons, Dolls, and Milkshakes, because I understand that you're doing some work on a follow-up to that. Oh, indeed. And it's you're also... Ex- What's that? <laughs>
2: I said excited face.
1: Exactly. And then you're also <laughs> expanding on one of the characters from your short works and everything is a nightmare.
3: Yes. Yes. And I, I think Jeanette's going to be excited about that one. We're both excited uh, about that. Does
2: it happen to be in the West? It does. Oh, my gosh.
3: Yes. <laughs> well, te- technically East Texas, but yes, it's it's the one you're thinking of. That's
2: awesome.
1: And then maybe mm-hmm. we'll revisit uh, the Wicked Library season 6 since by the time this airs we'll be getting very very close to the end of season 6 Oh sure we can do a little retrospective on that Sure I'll give you your report card that's exactly <laughs> you know that's what I'm looking for How did I do in my first season there dad
3: <laughs> No yeah,
1: exactly <laughs> And then um you fired You, no, you you're <laughs> fired <laughs> And and then maybe we'll just uh we'll talk a little bit about uh some of the other projects that uh we have going on and talk a little bit yeah. about some of Jeanette's stuff and Absolutely. a little bit of my stuff and her work on the Wicked Library and we'll just go from there. All right. I don't have a a lot of formal questions, I just have some notes. Cool. So to start off, tell me in the audience about everything here is a nightmare. <laughs>
3: Do you want to explain that, why that's funny? <laughs> I'll tell you
1: why it's funny. Our good friend, Dave Fairhead, had uh, an interview with you, and he titled his show, Everything is a Nightmare, right? Yes. yes and, and the title of the book is Everything Here is a Nightmare. So it's a little <laughs> bit of good-natured ribbing on the fact that he left a word out of the title. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, when you do kettle Kettle Radio... Um, no (laughs) (laughs) no Dave is a good guy and it was good to see Dave yeah because I mean you know Dave is kind of like the other 400 pound gorilla for society 13 and we rarely get to converse and stuff because he's doing all sorts of he's doing his thing I'm doing my thing and uh it was it was a fun episode but I just I was looking I'm like that doesn't look right what What is missing from that? And it was like the word here. It's like. <laughs> 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 but it's all. I mean, and, you know, of course, I'm going to catch it because it's like one of my kids. It's like you right. call my kid by the wrong name, motherfucker. That's right. So. <laughs> How dare you call him George? Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's harder. Hey, Susie. <laughs> Susie. <laughs> Wants to let you know, his name is Susan and he would like you to respect his life choices.
1: <laughs> Bro, boy, a man named Sue. Boy named Sue. So, when did, you, if we're putting together, especially a collection like that, and especially with as many works that you've written and as many places as you've, as you've been published, how do you parse it down to just that handful of stories? I mean, each story, I'm sure, you picked for a specific reason.
3: Well, there was actually a point when when I was working with Burning Ball Publishing. Gary Vincent, who is the uh, is the head honcho for Burning Bulb, actually wrote me back and said, "How do you feel about taking some of the stories out of this? Because i had I had a metric ton. If you if you printed out all the stories on paper and put it in a in a pillowcase, you could beat a whale to death with it. And 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 he's he's like, I I don't think that they're bad stories, but you know, it's going to be a really big book if you don't. And this is your first collection." Who the hell are you to have a collection this big right out of the gate? So I was like, okay, and we we pulled some of the stories out. Um, and actually, the very first story that I was the, the very first uh, publication that I was in was a was an anthology based on the works of Warren Murphy and Dick Sapir, the Destroyer series of books. And it didn't, f- and I wanted to use it, and I had permission to use it well i had to I had to get permission for it, but I didn't have a a I didn't have a solid copy of the story and b i had it I had to get copyright permission, which is easily gotten and you know sadly Warren passed away last year. He's a pretty influential writer for me, but it didn't fit with the story I mean I'm you know forget calling it speculative fiction. I'm a horror writer, and that story, as cool as it is is at least as cool as I think it is didn't really fit with the other stories in the book now like steve king can totally get away with putting an essay on kids baseball in his collection of horror stories i'm not stephen king i'm not even close i'm not even like you know shecky king you know i'm, I'm not i'm not owen king's pet hamster you know i'm, I'm not even in that realm <laughs> so you know i went through the stories and not everything that you publish is going to be like the greatest story ever it's not even going to be close and i kept some of those out i wanted to put my favorites in there just because you know those are the you you want to put your best foot forward and this is kind of like a one-stop shop if you're not familiar with my work oh well here you go which is essentially what what king did with uh, with night shift
1: right it was like all his stories from mm-hmm. from penthouse wasn't it uh,
3: it was like back in the back in the 70s adult magazines had great great fiction in it and he was you know forget panhouse it was like magazines like gent oh okay. and, and, and stuff like that you know swank right you know I'm like <laughs> and and he and he had all that stuff and there was a couple of stories that had you know not been previously previously published so and I think it was he put that out after I think cujo which was his uh third I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I'm probably going to get called on the carpet by some King fans. But it was like (laughs) after his third novel, he put this book out, and really the collection is what broke him nationally. Like it was like, holy wow, this guy's huge.
1: See, I don't like collections, I like anthologies because you get these little bite sized stories. And if it's done right and you pick the right stories, which I think you did for yours. The stories stick with you longer than it takes to actually read the story. So, like, I might read a story that takes me thirty minutes to read, but I'm thinking about it for two days.
3: Well, right. I mean, and you know, what a lot of writers, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of my what McHugh calls inky cohorts that you know they're they're strict novelists. They don't dabble in short stories. You know, they're they're strictly like, well, I just write the long form. It's one really long story, but. The short story is really kind of, I don't want to sound pretentious, but it's it's kind of an art form It's it, unto yeah. itself. It's a craft, and it's it's one that not a lot of people anymore take seriously. Like, I love anthologies. I love picking up books of short stories. Uh, the New Yorker, every year, would put their best of the year stuff, and I would go out every year, and I'd buy it, and I'd be like, this is fantastic. You know, I was a big fan of James Thurber when I was younger. Still i am a big fan of James Thurber. Not everybody... Who writes can write short work?
1: You have to have an opening. You have to have a closing. Mm -hmm. You have to have a middle. It's like a joke. I mean, everything has to work. And because it's exactly and, you know, you have to be able to torture your protagonist very well during the course of that short story. But it's it's not with a novel. It's you have more. It seems like you have more breathing room. You have more room to explore and more room to go down off tangents just for the Mm -hmm. heck of it. Um, but with a short story, kind of almost every word has to serve the progression of the plot.
3: Well, I mean, they're, they're really almost two separate animals. I mean, you're still the, your job is still to tell the story. Mm-hmm. But when, when you're doing a longer form, like a novella or a novel, or I guess the nouveau word is novelette, I believe. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, Sounds yeah. cute.
2: It depends on how many words...
3: Yeah, right. It's it's the the like they like flash fiction even has like a a, f- a flash year. It's like a, a drabble. I think it's a hundred words. Yep. See, I know my shit. Um, yeah, you
4: do.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean the 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 idea is to just effectively tell your story. To get you know, I, I, the readers of my stuff, I want them to kind of forget that they're reading a story. You know, it's like I, I want I want it to just grab them and just take them out of wherever they are for a little while. You know, novels you know it's it's always a cool thing to, to grab a novel and sit and read the whole thing in one sitting
2: yeah
3: that's that's always like the most fun for me if i can get a novel but how
2: can, often do you get
3: to do that well not so much anymore
2: yeah
3: you know when i was in the i was in the hospital last year had right. plenty of time but the pain medication rocked too much and i just watched destination america for like 24 <laughs> 7 You You get lots
1: of ideas from there. All those monster things.
3: I'll tell you what, I got zero ideas. Really? I oh my god. It was
1: I watch all those monster things and I'm like, that is so lame, I could do that so much better.
3: Yeah, but you're not on morph you're not on a morphine drip (laughs) when you're doing it (laughs) unless there's something we don't know. But morphine right now, man. All I wanted all I wanted was morphine, destination America, really shit you know, faux reenactment horror stuff and macaroni <sighs> and cheese. And that's it. That's all That's all I wanted for most of the summer last year. Yeah. I tried writing, and <laughs> I had, like, oxycodone for, like, a month, and I couldn't oh, write man. down a shopping list. It was horrible. Nope, I was done. <laughs> but anyway.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> so hard to focus when you have to take those things. Oh. I, I had, like, um... I had given myself pleurisy, Oh my <laughs> which is god. Like a pretty serious thing with your lungs. Yeah. Um, don't work outside negative 14 degree weather for more than a few hours. Oh, geez. This is what I've learned. Um, wow. But yeah, like as soon as you, I had to take oxycodone to like calm it down and calm down the pain and I could not, I just felt like my brain was dribbling out the side of my ears the whole time. Right.
3: You You, you, you turn into Brad Pitt's character from uh, True yeah. Romance, you know. <laughs> which totally is totally useless yeah completely useless <laughs> <That's> the <laughs> best way to describe it and i i tried so hard to uh i was you know i was still putting together everything here is a nightmare and i was trying to write other stuff and just failed miserably
1: <laughs> so Jeanette, you're delving into short stories again right
2: I am. Oh, what, yeah. what
1: questions well, do you have for the master in the room? And that's not me.
2: If you could see me, I'd be like just blushing and sweating right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I personally always have a hard time going from... Having the the core concept of the story, just like the the skeleton of it, I usually have my skeleton, and then when I get into the fleshing out stage, it gets morbidly obese really fast. <laughs> so, <laughs> any uh, any insights on how to keep it lean and mean for a short story?
3: Um, yeah, don't let it get that way. <laughs> you know, it's 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 like, um, if you get, I, I like chips ahoy. And Mm -hmm. if I want the the chocolate chip goodness of Chips Ahoy, I'll grab like an entire row of them. That is not a good idea. So just take like two in all seriousness, write it out the way it comes out of you and then go back and whatever doesn't work, just get rid of it. I mean, it's, 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 it sounds simpler than it is. You know, and, you know, I'm not trying to be like, hmm, we'll just do this. You know, the Elmore Leonard, you know, write, don't write the stuff that people don't read kind of uh, kind of answer. But I mean, realistically, you write the way you write and you can write the way you want to write just by the mere act of writing. So just get it all out and then shave it down you know don't i never look at word counts you know i don't write for this very rare thing well i will write for something specific like dan had me write an episode for the lift Mm -hmm. and he gave me you know i'm like okay what's the word count what's the situation he's like well pick a room pick the room ran with it got it in under the under the word count eventually and just you know sent it off to him you know like i don't You know, barring that, you write what comes out of you. You know, don't worry Mm -hmm. about word count. Don't worry about how obese because, you know, you may write something extra uh extraneous and then use it somewhere else.
1: Yeah, you can always give it liposuction and use that fat to make soap.
3: Right. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Or you know, I mean I've taken I've taken entire sections of the original version of Demon's Dolls and Milkshakes and used it elsewhere. You know, stuff that just didn't seem to fit in at the time, you know, I cut pasted onto a different thing and, you know, put like, you know, excerpt from the original name of the book was stitched and just like excerpt from stitched, put a date on it and emailed it to like 12 different email accounts. So I didn't lose it any time (laughs) because of, you know, like a bad hard drive or something. But I mean, just, you know, write how you write the technique develops and the callus develops, too. And you'll just, you know, as you're writing it, you'll start pulling stuff up. Like, no, nah, let's not go that way.
1: I think my yeah, biggest. Yeah, I'm
3: definitely
2: still way too precious <laughs> with, <laughs> yeah. with my fiction. I'm like, oh, but I really like that sentence. Well, I mean, you and know, just,
3: just, just, just if you take it out of that. put it in
2: a note, save it. <laughs> right, exa-
3: exactly. It's like, it, it's like, a, like like hol- you know, high school locker poetry you know mm-hmm. from from back in the day it's like well this is a really terrible poem to send to someone but that sentence really cool and you just kind of tear it and stuff it into something
2: <laughs> that makes perfect sense
1: yeah i know i know my biggest struggle with with short stories has been worrying that it's not going to work or worrying that it's not coming out right and and what mm-hmm. nelson said applies in that scenario as well which is you just write it and you get it down and It's surprising sometimes that three shitty paragraphs will sometimes get me to 25 really good paragraphs, you know? So it's just as you kind of move through it and you're not Mm -hmm. worried about this is not the final draft. This is not what I'm going to submit. And sometimes the whole story doesn't work and you just put it away. But my biggest thing is finishing them. Now my big focus Mm -hmm. is even if it's garbage, I finish it, even if it's just because I can say to myself, okay, that story's out, it's finished. And I might steal, like Nelson said, a paragraph from it and use that as the core of another story. But in terms of, like, the the bloated story, just write it. You can always carve it up later.
3: I mean, the idea is to just keep writing.
1: Mm-hmm. Even,
3: even if it's, you know, I've, I've written stuff, and I'm like, I'm going to finish it, but this is going to suck. And <laughs> you, just, you just power through it, or you just, end, you know, the, the ultimate thing, the uh, Dashiell Hammett thing was like, and then somebody walked in the room with a gun, and then your story <laughs> takes a completely...
2: Yep. <laughs>
3: yeah, you know, so... <laughs> like, well, I'm
2: stuck, and then there's an elephant. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
3: there you go. I mean, think about yeah, it. Yeah, or whatever. I mean, think about it. Like, for every... You know, if, if everyone stopped writing because they, they got stuck writing something mm-hmm. that they think is crap we would have nothing so
1: exactly
3: <laughs> that is true you know sometimes there's a there is a script and it's not floating around out there i wrote a script that it, it's a horrible script it's fun but it's terrible and it's called sock puppet massacre i love the <laughs> title and uh it, it's and it was based on you ever watch those old uh old trauma movie trailers yes they're your trauma fan Jeanette?
2: I do enjoy trauma i uh, see you're, you're just
3: endearing <laughs> yourself to me even more and i had because i'm yeah i mean i i was on main street in booton new jersey when they filmed the scene where they threw melvin out of the uh out of the the gym oh that's from awesome. the top floor it's like i watched the stunt and he jumped into the uh the, the barrel of toxic waste and i'm like yeah oh this my is the, gosh this is the greatest movie ever you know um <laughs> and i wanted I wanted to write a trauma movie, so I wrote this movie and then uh a, another guy who who was an actor kind of punched it up a little bit and you know but, kind of took all the fun out of it. but uh-huh. I mean <laughs> it's a total piece of shit, but I'm glad I wrote it. <laughs> it was a swirling piece of shit one you know I actually I was like within inches of actually including it in everything here's a nightmare. I'm like no nah, I can't have two scripts that's just Obnoxious, and then people will throw chairs at me if I if I put this piece of shit screenplay into the book. But so, the thought was there right.
1: when I read. I was one of your beta readers, and whenever I read through the the stories, one of the things that that struck me is that there's a very clear progression. I mean, I can tell how you've grown as a writer through, by reading through the collections. All this uh, by reading through the collection, all the stories are good, but there's definitely this one's better than the last one, and this one's better than... And that's what you want to do as a writer, obviously. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you have now if you could talk to yourself when you first started writing?
3: Hmm. Uh, you know, in, in all honesty, I, I think the advice that that I would probably give, give me... Number one, I started writing when I was in sixth grade. The first piece of advice I would give myself is your sixth grade teacher is not going to date you because you're a good writer because you're 11 (laughs) (laughs) so that that's the first piece of advice because nowadays well yeah nowadays but (laughs) but like seriously i started you know i'd always wanted to be a writer and i started writing these groovy little mysteries and stuff and giving them to my teacher because she was gorgeous and mm-hmm. uh but maybe that would be bad advice for 11 year old because maybe that was motivated like
2: motivated you exactly
3: well, i mean you know once i figured out that that shit was you know that dog wasn't gonna hunt by the time i got to seventh grade i was just writing little you know one or two page stories and stuff but i probably uh the the only advice i would give myself would be to start writing seriously earlier
1: yeah mm-hmm. and you know, don't take breaks from it right i mean i took a five-year break from writing
3: yeah that was a longer. bad idea yeah, it was That's a, a terrible idea. idea, Dan. Don't do that. So my uh, advice to Dan huh. is: don't take breaks. <laughs> <laughs> Never take breaks. Write every day. Well, yeah. I mean, try to. I mean, look, you have to enjoy it. Oh yeah. That's another thing. You know, I have. I, I gave a. Uh, I gave a talk to a group. Uh, to a class of third graders, and their biggest hangup, and they were all creative and they really liked the idea of being a writer, but they're the actual mechanics of writing: sitting down with a pen or a pencil or on mom's laptop or something was just daunting. You know, like yeah. my, my youngest daughter, Samantha will grab a, steal a book and say, look, my dad wrote this, which is really kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> but the kids like, well, you know, they get the automatic, he's a nerd look in their eye, but I'm a six foot five <laughs> fucking strategically shaved serial killing giant. Looking kind of okay. guy, so like, I so when I showed up at their school, they were all like, "Oh shit, that's your dad!" <laughs> like, yeah, anybody want to pick iron in front of me? Come on, let's go. And 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 their all of their questions had to do with how long it takes to write something, mm-hmm. and you know, and when you are of that age, when I was in seventh grade, if I had to write something in in pencil, I'm a firm believer in the pencil too, because I still have I still have the old school pencil sharpener you know my my whole thing is like if I have to write more than six pages, my hand's gonna fall off this you know this writing thing sucks. I wish I had a tape, you know, like anything just just get out of it because mm-hmm. because it's 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 work, it's a physical act to write something, you're like you know, but you know I told them it's like it's kind of like you're God and you're making your universe, and they kind of really got into that idea, and I'm waiting for mm-hmm. angry parent mail. Yeah. To come, he's like you told my kid he was God. I'm like, not exactly. Well, his name's
1: Jesus, uh, so you know <laughs> he's like a demigod.
3: But yeah, yeah. So I would, I would tell younger me, you know, forget the 23 year old girl until you are 23 years old, and then totally go for it, and don't stop writing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, um, how, what advice would you give for people to how to keep enjoying the process of writing? Well, I mean, how do you keep it fresh for yourself?
3: um it's for for me it's always an exciting exercise i i just i love everything about writing i love the physical act of it uh i love i love when an idea like hits me and uh just you know if you enjoy doing it now. There, there should be nothing standing in your way from enjoying it five years from now. Just do it as mm-hmm. much as you can. I mean, it's something that you don't have to pay. It's something you don't have to pay for. Um, you can write all night and still drive home. You know, it's it's one of the best things that you could actually do is to just write. I mean, if you're not enjoying it, don't do it. That's it, true. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's you know the the analogy that I have in my head is it's the difference between having a job and working. You know, your work your work is what you do. You know, if you're a writer, you work. That is your work. If you're writing 8 hours a day, you're working on your stuff. A job is somebody else's work that you're being paid to do. And to a certain degree, it's important that you enjoy doing that too, otherwise you will starve and, you know, be broke and you won't be able to write anymore either. Mm-hmm. you know the ideal is to make your work your sole source of income so if you want to do that you have to do as much work as you can because you're not going to live forever what right i like that i like that sentence. i'm gonna live forever you. hey you know what your work is gonna live forever you're not <laughs> that's <laughs> ask, true. ask edgar rice burroughs
2: yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, how's that working <laughs> out? His work is still
3: here. How's that death thing for you? And he's got other people writing his stuff. And granted, he's got some good—he's got some good shadow writers. He got like Lansdale wrote and Tarzan stories for a while there, which was pretty awesome. Uh-huh. But I mean, you know, if it's something that you want to do, and I tell this to my girls, it's like you have to—a—you have to really want it. B—you have to do it. You know, there's a lot of people. My favorite, my least favorite thing, and I hope I don't make any of my friends angry by saying this, but if you're updating your Facebook page every 10 minutes about the awesome work that you're doing, <laughs> you're not doing any awesome work. You're, you're kind of stroking. Yeah. It's like, it's very self-stroking kind of thing.
1: We live in this instant gratification society and Facebook and Twitter and mm-hmm. all the social media has kind of created that. And we want instant gratification. Writing is hard. It really is. Mm -hmm. I mean, it takes effort. It takes time and it's some days it sucks. There's always the part of me that enjoys it, but it's like laying. I mean, it's just like any job. It's like, you know, today my back hurt because I laid too much brick. When it's done, I still love that wall that I created. You know, it's like when I'm done, I still love that story that I created, but it's not always easy. And and that's for me the big thing is like you have to push through that. Well,
3: yeah. I mean I don't yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jeanette.
2: Oh, I was actually gonna ask you, Nelson, like what is a story that you really struggled with that you were really proud of now?
3: Um, I have to I, I have to say fishing hole. It's one of
1: my favorites. And I uh,
2: really love that story. Thank too. you. <laughs>
1: It almost made it to our our Wicked Things episode with Neil Gaiman and and, uh, Stop 666, but... It was too long. It was, yeah, it was just a little too long. We decided we were going to go with the shorter one, which I think that was the right idea. The date was fantastic because Neil's story was just like so, I don't want to say depressing, but like at the end, it was like a real heart wrencher for me. And then Stop 666 wasn't really a happy ending, even though there was a lot of humor through it, but the date was just... It was wicked and funny. It was, I think, it was the right story. You know, like fishing hole yeah. would have been too much.
3: You know, the the weird thing about the date is, I actually wrote that story probably around, I want to say probably like two thousand. It's a, re- it was a really old story, and I rewrote it from memory because oh, there's wow. there's one se- there's one sentence that survived the original text, and I actually I have since found the original text for the story. How close was it? Um, well, I, cha- I changed a lot of stuff in my head, yeah. but the the, the the sentence that remained intact was she had. Uh, I switched genders from the original story to the version that, that wound up on the Wicked Library. So it was a male look. serial killer. Yes,
1: See, I, it worked better with it being a female.
3: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean,
2: really liked the the gender switch there. It made and, it a lot
3: stronger. That's that's what I was thinking. You know, I mean, yeah. like, because I, I mean, you figure. 16 years ago um you know I I had just really kind of started entertaining doing writing as you know professionally and that story got rejected a lot when I wrote it and I I never knew I never knew what the problem was and I think it I think it might have just been switching the gender it's like why you know and, and it was a really quick thought and I just ran with it which was why can't the serial killer be a woman it should be a woman you know not that i have any experience in being a woman but my experience <laughs> with women has shown me like women are a hell of a lot stronger and a lot more frightening when they get unhinged than 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 guys are guys are you know guys are kind of pussies sometimes you know <laughs> you know and and there's also the 7 year rule which is that y- women women after 7 years no women are typically 7 years ahead maturity wise versus Uh, men this is why you know older guys going after younger women it's like they're almost they're almost on the same maturity level so a a woman who is seven years younger than you is is probably still smarter than you has their shit together more than you as a guy but you're a little bit closer because you've just managed to not you know kill yourself by accident seven years later you know but anyway sorry that's my little feminist stand
1: no so yeah we were asking you about the fishing hole why that was your favorite
3: um because that one i mean that that story just really kind of spoke to me i didn't have uh i I didn't have a very nice family growing up when you have a lot of friends that have good families and stuff you kind of tend to daydream it's like well what would it be like to have you know a, a member of the family go away and how that would hurt because i had no idea how that felt it was very limited scale, you know, not to bum everybody out. I was like, so I was thinking about um, all of the stories that I used to hear about my friends and they were like, oh, my dad took me fishing and he brought me to this place and stuff. And I just kind of like immersed myself in that kind of world and how much it would hurt to have that taken away and then have someone come and tempt you with a return of it. Yeah. It's like, what is, you know, like, okay, all your sadness will go away with this. What's the price tag, though?
1: Yeah, it's almost like that monkey's paw type of thing.
3: Well, it's, it's exactly. I mean, I think, I think, and I think it's almost like a, a an unwritten rite of passage. Yeah, like every every writer in in the speculative fiction genre has written or should maybe just attempt to write this kind of story.
1: Yeah, it's like what King said in uh, on writing that every writer should write like a haunted room story.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What was his his prompt for that was what fourteen oh eight I think. Yeah, yeah. It,
1: which was interesting because he showed you like I read the first draft and I was like that's fucking great, and then he would go back through and he's like, okay, here's what I changed, and here's what I marked out, here's what I cr-. and I'm like, now it's even better. It's like whenever I used to watch Bob Ross paint, I'm like oh, he messed that up now. There's no way. He's gonna be. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit,
3: now there's a reflection in the water. Right, right. Well, I,
1: Why don't <laughs> we take a quick little break, because it is at uh, 39 minutes, and then we'll yep. come back and talk a little more. All right.
4: Sounds good. The critically acclaimed author of Demon's Dolls and Milkshakes returns with 15 tales of horror and suspense. With everything here is a nightmare. From zombies in the Old West, to a young boy tempted by the devil, from vampires with romantic longing, to an abandoned lighthouse haunted by a vengeful spirit, from a serial killer getting unholy justice, to an haunted English race guard, Nelson W. Piles invites you to explore the landscape of fear, suspense, and horror. Take his hand and hold on tight. Remember that whatever you find there, whatever you see, no matter what you might think it could be, know this. Everything here is a nightmare. Nightmare. By Nelson W. Piles. Available in paperback and Kindle at Amazon.com. By Burning Bowl Publishing.
1: Nelson is back from his break.
2: Oh hey Nelson! I hey. hear you're involved with the Wicked Library slash somehow connected. Let's <laughs> yeah. talk about that.
4: <laughs>
1: hey, a little bit. How did you get involved with that? Well, he <laughs> well, <you> created it.
2: <laughs> there was a lot of sarcasm implied, <laughs> <It is.
3: laughs> which which is cool by me. So what was,
1: I don't want to pat myself on the back here. That's not the intent, but. To me, it's an interesting topic because it's a transition of you working on the show for five seasons and creating it and then Mm. handing it off to somebody else and enjoying it as a fan as well as, you know, being behind the scenes as an executive producer. And you've given me a lot of leeway. You've kind of, and I think almost on purpose, you kind of step back in this first season to say, okay, just let's see what you do.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the... I think the only direction I gave you was don't reinvent the wheel. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the, the skeleton works. Right. And whatever clothes you want to put on the skeleton, it'll either work or it won't work. But you have the latitude, and you still have the latitude to try different stuff. Yeah. There there was a point where I didn't hate doing the show. I loved doing the show. Um, but there was a point. Where you can kind of tell it's like if I keep doing this, I'm going to hate it.
1: Yeah, you don't want to resent it as as taking time away from things that are important to you.
3: Well, uh, yeah, I mean it was you know and, and it was getting to the point it was like okay, I've you know I'm a writer and I'm helping other writers, but I'm not really doing a whole hell of a lot for my own writing. Yeah, you know there's so there was a little bit of a selfish angle for me walking away from just the the main hosting duties. And I didn't want to completely walk away from it because it is it is a lot of fun to do the show- uh-huh. but uh
1: you yeah, know I, th- keep, I, pull, I pulled you back in a few times for things
3: well and I also <laughs> wrote in pulling myself back in for a couple for, myself for Halloween yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's like you know and I almost you know at, at this point it's like I almost hated doing the the, the Halloween thing oh that was awesome. Oh, no, it was, oh, it was fucking great. But,
1: and I liked the break, to be honest with you. I was oh, like, ha, ah, all I have to do is edit this one.
3: You know, and I was like, you know, like, well, I got Dan here. Why not have him do a story for it? You know, like, he, he is the, the new host. Have a thing. And like, we can't say that you're the new host anymore. You've got, you've got a, a, a whole lot, season. There's, there's actual miles under the belt now. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proud and arrogant enough to be like, I'm still doing the Halloween. So that's mine. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> See, and, 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 and I had no problem with you and I having more stories in this season than we had in the past, because we, we put a lot of work into this Absolutely. and a lot of effort into it. And we're both writers. And I think that we both should have an opportunity throughout the course of the season. And it's not like. We did big stories. All our stories were segments of, of larger shows. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So it's not like I had an entire episode or you had an entire episode that I recall. No. Um,
2: Although as an outside perspective, you totally should have your own episodes. Well. i just saying. <laughs> and, and,
1: and, and, and next season, I think that that's something that I want to make sure that we do is that each of us take an episode and, and put a story out there because as much work as we do, Nelson and I had this conversation over um the Neil Gaiman episode. Like, who mm-hmm. is going to be in the episode with Neil Gaiman? I was like, it should be me and you because anybody else, we're going to show favoritism if we put somebody mm-hmm. else in there. And God damn it. I got Neil Gaiman and and you've built this show from the beginning. If anybody deserves to benefit from sitting in an episode with Neil Gaiman, it's the two of us that put blood, sweat and tears into this. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and and I thought they were good stories, and they fit the theme. So, I'm I don't have any regrets over doing it. We yeah, got sure lots that. of compliments over
3: it too. Absolutely, so. yeah. still are.
1: Yeah, so it's and and that's consistently one of the one of the most downloaded episodes. You know, it was nice of them to give us the opportunity to not take it off the table and yeah. and leave it out there.
3: Seriously, I mean, I never, you know, and I never the, the when I first started doing the show, the idea was never uh it went away quickly i'll I'll readily admit the the idea was never just like oh i don't want to showcase my own thing because that's kind of arrogant and and pretentious but by the time the fourth episode rolled around i didn't have anybody to do an episode with (laughs) i'm like well i don't need my own permission to do my own story so boof so onwards (laughs) yeah right but then like right after that i got joe lansdale and Mm -hmm. and then you know the rest of the uh
1: oh yeah we get lots of submissions i mean I'm amazed at how many people send stories in. And, you know, some of them are not up to what we want to do, and a lot of them are fantastic, and some of them actually there just wasn't room for them in this season with the theme um, that we're moving into next season. But the the fun thing for me this this season was I wanted to try to do as many different types of subgenres of the horror genre as possible to just kind of like Try to introduce people to new things that maybe they, you know, like I'm into blood and gore, but hey, you know, that ghost story was pretty cool. Or mm-hmm. I like ghost stories. And maybe that one was a little uncomfortable and challenging for me to listen to, but it was a well-written story.
3: Well, I mean,
2: Dude, and you got me reading Splatterpunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I you. blame that entirely on you. <laughs> Thanks to the record Library specifically. We'll see, then- I'm, pre- I'm glad, though.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean that was that was a very unspoken thing of the show that I knew that you would pick up, yeah. Because it was, you know, you know, I gave you enough latitude. I'm like, okay, this I want to see if, if this was a social experiment for me <laughs> as well, because <laughs> I mean, you were the only guy I had in mind to take over the yeah. show, and I'm like, okay, and it, part of it, you know, a part of it was that you were also still relatively new to the horror genre in yes. general, yes, and. I'm like, okay, well, this is, you know, this is where you make your bones, okay. Like here, you're going to be reading all of these stories, you're going to be picking the stories, and I want to see where it takes you. It would have been very easy for you to just like take one type of of yes. horror yeah. and just run with that. Like anybody, like anybody else would have been like, "Well, I really like zombies," and then you know, there's 22 mm-hmm. episodes of fucking zombie apocalypse bullshit, you know. <laughs> and we still and we and we still maintained like we have had very few.
1: Yeah, I think there were two this season, and they were. Mo- I think both of them were rewinds from previous
3: seasons. Yeah, I mean, we like we we tend to keep the zombies low. Yeah. Because it's just well,
2: it, you got you got to sprinkle the zombie, and it can't be the main focus all the time. Exactly, so much zombie, and so much of it is like very similar.
3: Ex- exactly, I mean, there's not a whole lot of cra- like the, there was. I can't remember the author's name, and and I hope he doesn't like write me. It was like it was me, bitch. But there was like a guy who had written a zombie story. The zombies actually like floated and stuff, and it was a great, great episode. It was a double shot episode, and I cannot for the life of me remember who it was. I apologize to whoever it is out there. Well, we've
1: only done six seasons, and uh, they're you usually know. about twenty-six episodes
3: per season. I try, I tried to keep them numbered, like around, like a, a like a a, 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 a television show, like twenty or so.
1: Yeah. Well, see, and and that's if you look at this season, including rewinds, including the the flashbacks and best dubs and stuff like. I think there's like 36 six or 37 episodes already.
3: Yeah. You got a little fucking
1: ridiculous with <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was doing it every Maybe week. And I, I, I didn't take any breaks. Um, yeah. So, I mean, next, you know, you learn through, through the course of that. And it's like, now it's like mm-hmm. every other week and, and, every, and the numbers are, are still going up, even right. though I'm doing, not doing it every single week. And, and it's more sustainable. Like next season, I'll be able to do a sustainable season every other week with only you well, know, things change, but the way that it's planned right now, there's only two repeats, which is, you know, we're going to, we're going to rerun the Halloween episode. And we're going to rerun the Christmas episode from the prior year, right? Just to awesome. kind of get people into the, the spirit. And they're good episodes. I think that they, they mm-hmm. bear a rerun. Um, but you know, with the every other week thing, it's, it, I think it's more sustainable. Um, <clears throat> and, and you know, I mean, I have a 90 day break coming up from May 16th through August 10th when we come back. So. The goal is to to try to get ahead, to to get some stories read. Oh, I absolutely. already have the first three episodes for next season picked out, so cool, cool. that will help. Brilliant, awesome. So, as a fan of, of the show, hopefully this season, what, what did you what did you like best, and and uh, what did you think? Me and I'll pose that to both of you. What did you like best, and what do you think could be different for next season? Ready,
3: Jeanette, go.
2: Um, Can you actually continue making them once a week? Cause, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. There's at least lift.
1: I'll make you a I'm compromise. Partially kidding. I'll,
2: I'll,
1: I'll, I'll make you a compromise. I am going to be <laughs> interspersing them with the other series that I'm working on the lift. So the Perfect. idea there is that one week you'll have the Wicked Library, and then the following okay. week you'll have the lift. So you'll still get content right. every week, but it'll be a, a, a back and forth of the the
2: two. Actually, I think that works really well. And it like it makes sense on a production schedule. Yeah. Just me as a ravenous listener of the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I'm to the episodes and I love all of it all the time. <laughs> oh, awesome.
1: And, and summertime, I mean, like the summer break, usually you used to, Nelson used to do summer break. Um, this is technically a summer break because it runs May 16th through July 25th. Um, th- th- that's, like, the only time in, this, in the show when we go dark, meaning that, mm-hmm. like, we don't put anything out during those breaks. The The other breaks, typically, we will rerun and replay stuff like that. But, you know, this gives everybody kind of a break. Because after a yeah. while, it all becomes beans, right?
2: It all becomes what? Beans?
3: Did you just say beans?
1: That's a Stephen King quote. He's like, if you put too much <laughs> of the same content out, eventually it all becomes beans. <laughs>
3: well i I used to I used to do see my best of stuff would be during like I would take little breaks mm-hmm. for, for each season like I'd like come back for the Christmas episode and then show back up like at the end of January and stuff and in this uh. and in the summer months the summer months I would do the uh I, the one season I did the double creature feature yeah summer fest it was, like every other week I would do like okay and here's uh if we had repeat authors which we do. Yeah. Um like there would be like two Jessica McHugh stories in one big episode and I would redo an intro. I did a really, really, really lousy one. One with the librarian's mother. Oh, I love those <laughs> ones. I fucking hated the librarian's mother. I'm like, I can't. I'm. She's only. She only showed up once, and then she quickly disappeared. Hilarious. The librarian's got a cold. Yeah, it was so. It was it like was, the librarian has a slight case of death. <laughs> <laughs> those so were funny.
1: Well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's it's just like a TV show. I mean, most TV shows go dark for a few months.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, and got to, like, recoup and get some stuff. Yeah.
1: On. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, there's a ton and ton and ton of content out there. And the nice thing oh, about yeah. a podcast is, like, it's on demand. So if you're mm-hmm. like, well, I really need my Wicked Fix this week. And I'll, I'll probably do that during the break because I've been very bad about getting the newsletters out just because of so much stuff going on. But during well, that time, I'll probably, you know, post out a newsletter. You oh, know, sure. Yeah. And, and post out, you know, here's... You know, here's a, a rewind <coughs> to listen to, or, or check out this episode, and people can either do it or they can pick another one. But I'm sorry, Jeanette, we we cut you off. You, you said one thing.
2: <laughs> it was a hot button topic. Yeah. Apparently so. <laughs> yeah. We went off on this huge <laughs> tangent. Actually, I feel like it was that a tangent. We go on so many that I'm not I really sure what this
3: tangent is. True. is it's, it's like second nature now.
2: <laughs> but I just think I think. The show has always been great, and now it's just continuing to grow, and I, I love seeing all of these new people coming in. I love that you're collaborating with so many different artists of various types of mediums, you know, visual art, as well as music, as well as, you know, the written word, and I just, I don't know, I'm just going to be over here cheering you on, because you're doing awesome.
1: Well, yay! Well, Thanks!
2: No, it's been... That's it's not, not really constructive criticism, but that's the feedback I have for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'll take it. That's that's fine. I mean, the show did grow significantly this year, uh, mm-hmm. and that's nothing against Nelson. I mean, we had this chat when I first took over, and I was like, dude, I, I'm an old marketing whore. I, I, you know, I, I used to do marketing for a living, so I'm going to take everything that I've learned from sales and marketing, and I'm going to try to apply it to the show and just take it to the next level, because... It was, it's such a great show and it had so much great content. I'm just like, there are just not enough people that know it's there. And and mm-hmm. what did we say the first, you know, I'll say it. When, when we first talked, I was like, we're going to be bigger than Pseudopod by the end of the first season.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, and we are. We totally are. We absolutely. Totally are,
1: so. I'm so <laughs> proud. I'm so proud. I don't want to say anything disparaging, but, you know, I, I I just think there are certain things that we do better and and you know what mm-hmm. hey they probably think there are certain things that they do better and that's part of putting out a great show is believing in it and yeah. i was such a big fan of this show that you know it's it, it's it's probably like whenever uh conan o'brien got the, the the tonight show and then they took it away from him i Which, think we actually we, talked about that we right did, yeah, it's I was like yeah, Conan me
3: on this yeah i was like you know i, I the promise was like i'm not going to be like you know what fuck this i'm taking the show back <laughs> Yeah, because that's you know that's that's a total dick move, right. and I I try not to do those. I need to be able to look at myself in the mirror and be able to sleep at night and stuff. And you know, like I I I when 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 I gave the gig to Dan, or or asked him to take the gig, it's not like you do this, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I could easily do, but yep. <laughs> well, you, you, you do have that power. <clears throat> but I mean, you know, I I. You know i had to make sure that that was something that i could actually do myself it's like you know can i can i give him this gig and not like a month later I was like you know what, i, I want to take it back now because that's just a, that's a real shite thing to do unless i
1: totally like fucked it up or something
3: yeah well and in fact if 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 you had dropped the ball on this <laughs> I'm mean, like, okay, give me the fucking mic. Yeah. get Back away from the, go, the main name. go
2: sit down in the corner over there.
3: Go back okay. to your ninth story. Go back to your ninth story and close the door. Thank you very much. Aww. But it's well I mean, you know, I he the sole one of the best reasons to, to to let Dan run with the show was just that. Like I'm a writer. First and foremost, mm-hmm. you know, I'm 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 an accidental uh stunt musician you know almost like in passing which really pisses tony off when i say he's like you're not a stunt singer i'm like yeah i kind of am and you know this is still the battle going on there's so much other stuff to do and i adored doing the show i loved it but i wasn't doing it justice with all the other stuff that needed attention and i knew that you know i knew that dan could do a good job and i know he would take it to places where i was just incapable. I'm not a marketing guy. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not a marketing guy and you know, he just took the ball and ran with it. And he did a good job. He's he's uh keeping the original spirit of the show very much intact. And he knows if he go, you know, like and he, not that he would g- ever go away from the original intent of the show, but like he also knows that I'm kind of like the the holder of the keys. It's like I'm like his conscience. I'm like the big asshole Guy with the pitchfork on his shoulders, like you better not do that one. <laughs> you know, but, I mean, and it, and it's and it's really cool to collaborate.
1: Yeah, and we do collaborate quite a bit. I mean, it's there's a lot more behind the scenes than I think most people realize. Where you know, I'll shoot you emails or I'll talk to you through Facebook and Messenger and just be like, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And sometimes you you tell me to run with it, and sometimes you don't say anything at all, which is which <laughs> is which is pretty much me going. All right, he knows that I should know. I should do this, um, or or it's that. Well, you know, you might not want to do that because,
3: right? Yeah, I mean, it's never. You know, I'm not going to tell him no. Right? It's it's right. not it's not like a boss employee situation, you know. And and it has never been like that. But it's like, well, here's why I ha- like he'll come up with me with an idea, and this was like a while ago. I don't even remember what the idea was. And you were like, well, what if we did this? And I said, well, here's why we haven't done it yet. And he was like. Oh, okay. okay.
1: We've talked a lot about different things to do to, to monetize the show because mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of time and effort that goes into it, and and we've kind of built that up over the last <laughs> few years. And I don't ever want to make the show, and I don't think Nelson ever wants to make the show something where people actually have to pay for because, yeah, um, you know, it, it, it's something where our, the goal of the show remains the same. It's to introduce horror fans to new artists. And by artists, I mean writers, visual mm-hmm. artists, musicians. It's to, and and there should be you know some benefit for us out of it. You know, like I got a um um a narration project for for a book out of it, and mm-hmm. you know I, I I owe a lot of the success to what I've done with the lift to having such great fans that listen to the Wicked Library that you know are willing to listen to The Lift because they're fans of the Wicked Library and go, well, I'll try that out. And the good thing is, is that the people that have tried it out have liked it. I mean, I'm sure that there's probably some that haven't, and that's fine. It doesn't cost any money. Yep. If they don't want to listen to it, they don't have to. But, I mean, I understand the value of the show to – us in, in terms of being able to occasionally mention to you that Nelson has a couple of books out and be able to mm-hmm. occasionally mention to you that, you know, we have another show and be able to promote the artists and the writers and say, Hey, here's a TWL alum who has a, a new book out. And that's what it's all about. It's all about promoting the work that everybody creates. And I don't think there's anything wrong with as a part of that being able to make a little bit of money on selling some cool t-shirts or whatever but again it needs to be something that people want it can't be just like i'm trying yeah. to force this down your throat it should be an extension of because i love the wicked library i want this too
2: well i just like this is a thought that i'm always on with uh life in general like how do you take one thing that you're putting all of your time and effort into and build into something that can help support you as well. Yes. Um, cause you know, like, I'm sure we all feel this way. Like we put all of our heart and soul into the craft that we, we do. And at least like when you're writing a book or a collection of stories, you can, you can eventually put it out there and work hard at getting it published and then it's out and then you have a product to sell. Um, like, I definitely personally struggle with this, uh, like <laughs> just in general. Hmm. Like, oh, I do so many things. What could I actually make money on that isn't like getting hired to do a specific test? I don't necessarily have an answer for that yet, but it's something
3: <laughs> I'm always thinking about. <laughs> right. well, and, and rightfully so. Yeah, Nelson
1: and I have this conversation a lot of times about the 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 value and the detriment of the for love of project you know like mm-hmm. like what we do for the wicked library is all for love of nobody makes any money on it directly yeah. but i do know from talking to authors they all see benefit from from doing it they all get jessica said on a number of occasions that that was like her first opportunity you know, to to do the Wicked mm-hmm. Library, and that from that she feels a lot of the other things have come. I mean, a lot of it is her own talent, obviously. But you can, I mean, the marketing thing—the old marketing adage is always: you can have the best product in the world,
3: if but nobody if, knows exactly. If nobody knows about it; it's useless.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we—that's the void that we try to fill because, I mean, and and Nelson was brilliant with this as the creator is, you know, as an author, he knows how hard it is to get noticed the first time. And these are authors that are independent authors and getting an audio book produced for yourself as an author that isn't cheap, especially okay. if you want it done well and you you know, you know want a good rendition of it. And, and that's essentially what we've done with these shows is we've we've given them a free audio production of a story that they can mm-hmm. take out and sell, share with their fans, whatever.
3: Right. I mean, I, I spent uh, last weekend with. Uh, a wicked library alum may march, and bumped into Christine Saltus, and they are, as far as I know, I'm sure other authors do it, but I mean, they they took their episodes with their stories, burned them onto a CD, and they were selling them, yeah. and they were selling well, and that is their prerogative. Yeah, and the one, and I, the one I... thing, the one thing that uh, not to not to pick on pseudopod. Uh, again, but
1: yeah, I mean, they uh, pay like, their authors, so like, more power okay, to you. You
3: know, they pay their authors, but we're not a publishing credit. One of the reasons mm-hmm. why we ask for previously published work is because the authors already made money on it. This is like, you don't get paid to go on Conan O'Brien or Jimmy Fallon. That's not a paid appearance at all. Like, there's like, I have something to promote, I'm going to go here. And then mm-hmm. the the host says, "Okay, you can come here." That's kind of what the show is, except all of the rights remain with the author right. of the story. Yeah, and, and they can do with that story whatever the hell they want with it.
2: It's actually a, a question that I had for you. With um, everything here is a nightmare. Sure. Like how how what was the process for you getting the rights back to your stories, or did you like some of them? I don't know what was the process for getting that because like a lot of those were previously published right
3: uh most of them yeah most of them were yeah and that's well that's the that's the cool thing uh one of the reasons and it kind of factors into the wicked library story too um when you get i i do not do for the love of stuff i i did mm -hmm. with
1: one exception
3: i i wrote the story for you as a favor yes you know why i haven't written a second (laughs) lift episode
1: I don't
0: know. <laughs> no, I'm
3: yeah, kidding. I was just being be, 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 because because he doesn't
1: because he doesn't pay me to do the show. Because and, and,
3: you can't afford me. Yeah. Well, no, oh, that was okay. one of the, that was one of the points that I
1: was going to make earlier. Is that it's very expensive to to get. I mean, Nelson and I are both narrators for Audible, and and it's not cheap to get a, a good quality narrator to do Dang your right. work. So, Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the one of the things that I think we offer to these authors. Um. Of, of great value is not only the, the the distribution, but the fact that they're getting a professionally done episode and we negotiated rights with whenever it was Kevin MacLeod that we were using. I mean, I talked to Kevin directly and I negotiated the rights for the authors to sell his work because we credit all his work. And, and now that we have a music director that's actually scoring the work, the same arrangement applies
3: Right, so the oh. uh, so what all the uh, the previously rights for short work usually, uh, with rare exception with like with some shadier publishers it's uh <laughs> it's a it's a little different, but
1: um, it, rights revert.
3: Yeah, I mean, eventually the rights expire. Like, uh, God, what? Uh, pick a story. Let's see. Uh, where the apple shine won't reach, my my anti Stephanie Meyer story,
2: um, post- <laughs> w-
3: which was uh the first story I'd published uh through Postmortem Press for an anthology called Moncor Mort, um, and the rights like they had exclusive uh publication rights for I think six months, and after the six months I could do whatever I want. The story's the rights revert directly back to me. Now, mine got now that story was actually republished in another anthology that they did, like the Best of Postmortem Press, and that story appeared in that one again. And I met like even more groovy writers in that book, which was really kind of cool. Um, but all the previously published stuff, I just had to wait out the rights contract, and you're usually six months to a year. And if they wanted to make any more money off of the story, they would have to renegotiate the contract, which has happened a couple times, which is kind of mm-hmm. neat.
1: And it's cool too because oh, wow. you can get some publishers that will accept second publishing rights.
3: Yeah, on occasion, mm-hmm. like they'll they'll do uh, reprints.
1: Yeah, and you don't I mean you don't get as much for that, but it's it's another audience. It's kind of the same thing as like the Wicked Library. It's another distribution channel.
3: Absolutely, you know, and the re, in pseudo like we brought up pseudo pseudo you know, they pay, but they also count as a publication credit. We do not. Yeah. Nor will we at this point.
1: And I will say, too, that this season I had three stories that I had planned that I later didn't do because they were getting them republished. And that was part of the, you know, part of the negotiations is that they didn't want it to appear in audio format someplace else. Right. You know, so, I mean, that's, you know, it's not a big deal for us. I mean, our job is always to help the author, always to help the the artist, always to help the composer. So if something happens like that, where they're like, hey, I need to retract the rights for that story because I have someone interested in it. Pfft, that's not a problem. You know, what I mean, it, it, it's it's a little tough sometimes to throw together an mm-hmm. episode in five days, <laughs> well, Whenever yeah. you know, I, I had everything done and ready to go, but. Our job is again to promote the author, so that's never mm-hmm. a problem. I mean we we don't retain rights, and and th- that has been actually a blessing. I think three or four times this season as well, where somebody had something that was getting published, and their publisher was like, "That's a great promotion tool for us. Go ahead and let them run the story."
3: Yeah, I've I have I, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I I never ran into it like whenever I said, "Well, you if if it's still under rights or under contract with someone else." You have to let them know and let me know what they say. And they were like, oh, this is fantastic. And we would plug the publishing company yep. as well.
2: Yep. Nice.
3: So, Jeanette. Yes. How you doing?
2: I'm doing so good. That's I'm learning so much. My head is so full of knowledge. Oh, yeah. Like- <laughs>
1: That's what we do here on The Ninth Story.
3: We drop that information. That's right.
0: all for this week come back next week for the rest of the chat with Nelson W. Piles
4: Societies rise, and societies fall. When the time comes, one society steps forward to build a better future. The Wicked Library, Kettle Whistle Radio, Night Story Podcast, Prog Watch, Red Horse Radio, The Lift, History Goes Wrong. Listen, the M Writing Podcast, Society 13, Rebuilding Society, one podcast at a time.